News, politics, and special guests with a Texas twist. That's the goal of the Luke Macias Show. Our nation and state are at a crossroads, and if you're not informed, you're not equipped to make the change that our community needs. Join the conversation and join the cause for liberty today. We are in the Lone Star State where if you sell one too many beers, you are literally not allowed to be a business owner for months on end. Um, I want to talk about things that we should all be doing during the time of COVID, and we're going to talk about slaughtering chickens. This is the Luke Messias Show, and I've got my friend Raz Schaefer here. He has joined me in San Antonio, Texas, and we are going to cover all of these things today. How are you doing, Raz? Man, I'm blessed to be here. I mean, I could just spend a podcast just staring deeply into your eyes after months of quarantine. It it's a very special time it for is. me. It's a special time, and um, it's a special time for you, and it I understand really that. And I won't say the same for me, but I will say that it is a special time, and I recognize that for <laughs> your sake. Um, so you are here. You are one of the first people to be at the international headquarters of Messias Strategies, the Luke Messias Show, Messias Properties, real estate investing. It's I a mean, big it's deal. Just, it's, this is it. It's this pretty impressive. This magic happens. And so, um, anyways, uh, I don't think we've even announced that we've moved houses, but you know, this is the new home. It's the setup. It's the office. It's uh, where we're where we're at. And you were in town, and so you decided to swing by. And then I asked you to record this week's podcast. It's good to be here. Um, so first, we're going to talk about the fact that over forty days ago. Uh, the governor said bars are shut down. Now, a bar, just to clarify, is any institution which sells 51% of its revenue in alcohol, mm -hmm. right? Meaning if you sell, some Texans might not know this, but if you sell 49% of your revenue in alcohol sales and 51% in food sales, you're a restaurant. Legally, yeah, you're a right. restaurant. The Texas Alcoholic Beverage Commission says you're a restaurant, all we do is just make sure you're not serving alcohol to minors, but like the reality is we treat you like a restaurant. Mm -hmm. And then if you sell a couple more beers and it get, and no more pizzas, then all of a sudden you're a bar. Right. And what the governor has said 40 some odd days ago is we're shutting you down. Now there was an initial shutdown with COVID and then we got into um, opening them back up. And now they're shut down again. And they are not allowed to operate. In mm -hmm. fact, there was a story of one Lubbock bar owner who tried to just just sell pizzas, right? Like, I'm just going to open up curbside for our pickup. Yeah. And by the way, restaurants are allowed to sell cocktails to go. Yeah. So you'd think, well, why don't I just sell my cocktails to go and my food to go? Mm -hmm. But no. Yeah. Yeah. You're not allowed to operate in Texas. This is Texas. Mm -hmm. What do you think you are in some free, loving, liberty-filled state? I'm talking a lot. Why aren't you talking? I'm just. This is a podcast. <laughs> you don't realize that at some point you're supposed to come in on my rant. You were you were saying everything I agreed with. Oh. I didn't have anything to add. Okay, no, it's it's really actually. Why don't you stop? I'm just going to keep talking. <laughs> And I'm just here to look pretty. <laughs> okay. If you would just listen and kind of. I'm just staring uh -huh. deeply in your eyes. I'm just saying, yes, yes Luke, this is. Okay. You're right. Okay. It's, so tell it's us. All right. Tell us. What should Texans think about this? Well, it's been crazy because in the last couple of weeks, as I've been getting out and meeting with you know, different folks, uh, you know, really just kind of being back on the road doing my work the mm -hmm. last, you know, two, three weeks, mm -hmm. it's it's been remarkable. Um, the places that are open or not, I mean, used to when I was doing this before, you didn't have to wonder, will this place be open? Well, mm -hmm. not. What can I do there? Yep. Um, it's it's really remarkably different, and it's disconcerting me the way these rules are being applied. Mm -hmm. It's 
it's with a very heavy hand. It doesn't seem to allow for any nuance for people to survive that are trying to adapt. And there's no adaptation allowed at all. And that's part of what we see as a problem when we look at state or federal regulations in general. Yeah. They don't allow for that. And when you paint with a broad brush, then you have people on the margins that are trying to survive that you're saying, nope, sorry. Yeah. What you've worked your life for is, uh, is gone now. It's probably the reason that we generally think central planning is a bad idea. It's definitely why I think it's a bad idea. It's saying, hey, don't feel bad that your central plan affected people that you didn't think it would affect in a way that you couldn't see coming. Because you shouldn't have been centrally planning in the first place. It's... Um, well, you have you have governments right now as they're seeing these what they call outliers or very small yeah. anecdotes. Uh, that's how they characterize these bar owners in which there are tens of thousands, not hundreds of thousands of them, just here in Texas, right? Yeah. And so they say those are outliers. So those are you know, and they say we feel bad about that, but that's how we had to draw the rules. And I would look at it saying, well, no, you didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, this is not only easily foreseen that this would happen, but you didn't have to go about the rulemaking process in that way in the first place. It, so when you centrally plan these types of things, it shouldn't be surprised anyone. It sure doesn't surprise us. We just get mad about it, which is the appropriate response to centrally planned nonsense. I don't even frequent bars. Yeah. It's like it doesn't affect my life. Well, I mean, I, mean, I, I got we got two and a half and you know, nine-month-old kids. I don't it's like, type bars. <laughs> I mean, I miss bars sometimes, but yes. I, it's not gonna, it doesn't affect my lifestyle. I, uh, I went to a bar the first night bars were open again. Yeah. And I went to the Lone Star Bar in New Braunfels, Texas. Okay. The owner, he likes liberty. Okay, I don't want to out him as a Republican because yeah. then he'll get canceled. But the point is, you just probably got to edit the name of his bar out there. Yeah, for we should. To, I to... went to the bar, right? And and then I've heard it's a great uh, place. It's, it's it has great... an owner that's a <clears throat> wonderful American. Yeah, that's right. And we had a couple drinks because we just thought we should participate in this free exercise <laughs> of. Liberty that we were allowed to engage in only because we had been given permission by our governor to right. do so. No legislative input, by the mm-hmm. way. You might not know this, Raz. There was a time in which the legislature... So, let me back up. Uh, the legislature used to have to get called in for a special session whenever anything happened. I mean, mm-hmm. it was literally like, I want to do X, Y, or Z. Oh, I got to call a special session. The state representatives have to come back in. They got to pass a law, and then I got to go with it. So... The state legislature, <clears throat> sorry, said there's probably some instances in which we don't need to come back, like a hurricane, as an example. So let's pass this emergency act, mm-hmm. which is going to say that during times of emergency, the governor can declare, hey, for the next week, we're allowed, we're in a time of emergency. Mm-hmm. Hurricane Harvey's about to hit the coast of Houston. And then he is allowed to pass executive orders with the weight of law. Again, think about the mindset of the legislature. They're saying you might need to do some things when this hurricane's on its way to hit the mm-hmm. coast that hold the weight of law. And so one of the powers they gave the governor was the power to regulate the ingress and egress of citizens. Meaning you need to evacuate Harris County mm-hmm. because this hurricane's coming. Right. So the governor wants to shut down bars. And breweries and wineries, but Chili's is open because 51% of what they sell is food. And so, and when he wanted to shut down salons and barbershops and all these other businesses, they wanted to shut down. 
what he would do is he would pass an executive order. He would start and have this press conference and say, all salons are closed. But his executive order would not read, I'm closing all salons because he doesn't really have the authority to do that. Mm -hmm. So he would write in it, no Texan may enter a salon or exit a salon because that's the ingress and egress of the citizens, right? So this is why some county judges were like, I can't enforce this order because like, you're not telling me the salon can't be open Mm -hmm. so they can be open. And then you're also telling me I can't ticket people for going to a salon, but they're the ones who are disobeying by entering and exiting the salon. So... Anyways, it was this vague deal. But that's the power in which he's using. That's the law which he's saying, I can do this. Now, when you declare a time of emergency, it's only for 30 days. And so what's happening is every 30 days, our governor is declaring a new 30-day emergency. Right. Which is dangerous because what happens when we have some shooting in Houston, Texas, and there's a Democrat governor, and he says, for the next 30 days, we're under a time of emergency, and you may not enter or exit a gun store. Mm Mm-hmm. And you may not. Why? Because we are da- people's lives are at stake. People right. are dying. Well, that's the danger of ceding any kind of legislative authority to an executive, right? Yeah. That's that's something our anyway. founders were keenly concerned about. That we've seen on the federal side go way too far. We see the local side with powers given to mayors. It's it's laziness. I mean, there are there are legitimate situations where I think yeah. an argument can be made, like with a Hurricane Harvey or something like that. Say so yes. We can't get the legislature here in time. It's a rapidly evolving situation. So there, there's a narrow thing, but that's the problem with being lazy about how we define those powers, mm-hmm. right? If you're going to give... that, We thought these things through carefully when they were established, and we mm-hmm. decided what authority an executive versus a legislature has. And so we shouldn't be speedy or use crude tools to craft laws that hand that over. We shouldn't mm-hmm. be we should be very careful about how we do that. And it seems that with rules like that, that you can't do that. Um, Just as I'm listening to you explain the the intricacies of that, it seems like one of the very clear things that should be done next cycle is prohibiting the governor from renewing these things, Mm -hmm. especially in a case of like more than once. Yep without calling the legislature back. If it's an ongoing emergency you've had 30 days for, during that 30 days, you can call the legislature in. Yep. You can debate something. And then possibly, maybe maybe you can make the case that another that one extension is appropriate, but basically yep. prohibiting that beyond maybe one extension. Mm-hmm. And that kind of case, then you have a, a real curb. Yep. I mean, it seems like there's probably a lot of thought going on, especially as we have people in the legislature, not to mention the people that are constituents of the mm-hmm. legislators and the frustrations building on this, I imagine there's going to be a lot of pushback come January as far as limiting the powers of the executive. Yeah, I, I think there is. I think there's building frustration. Um, you know, the governor's not forced to work with the legislature. I mean, I think I've told you this, but I've talked to numerous senators and, and legislators who aren't, some are conservative Republicans, some are more middle-of-the-road Republicans, and none of them are having clear communication with the governor's staff. I mean, they're going, I can't get a hold of him. I don't know what his rationale is. I don't know why they've picked this business and not this business and how that's going. And so for to give the governor a position where he, he can literally treat you just like any other Texan where I can just tune you out and ignore you and right. don't have to pay attention to you, it's a dangerous situation because one person was never supposed to have this much power when you force them to come back for a special session, you set up a situation where he's now accountable. And that's why he doesn't want a special session. He doesn't want the accountability. He doesn't want to have to go get permission from the legislative body. How much work would it cost if you have to go and convince 
76 of 150 members that this is the right thing to do. And, well, but and politically, it seems very short-sighted as well because now you've got not just conservative Republicans, not just moderate Republicans. You got people of all stripes that are being very frustrated. Yeah, and so you're making a lot of. Whole, you, you know, you got a legislative session coming, mm-hmm. um, and you know that you've got a whole lot of ticked-off people that are mm-hmm. be sitting there, that yep. be passing bills that you might like to influence, but you're limiting and mitigating your ability to do that. Yep. Uh, it doesn't seem like it's going to pay off that well for him. So let's talk way. about COVID. COVID's hit. We've been in months of COVID. How long have the last six months seemed to you? At least six years. Okay. I mean, I've aged. I've lost some hair since last you saw me. I wasn't going to mention that. It. You should mention it. It's It's notable. I mean, it's a remarkable loss. It's not a little bit. It's it's significant. The point is, I thought that was due to the runoff. I didn't I didn't attribute that it's to COVID. It's not. It's COVID. Okay. I blame Governor Abbott actually, and, um, and it's. I'm, I'm telling sure he's you, very sorry. About I know that. Jocko Willick would be really proud of me for blaming yeah. somebody else right. for my yes. hair loss. He I'm just sorry. told you to bick it, take a number two to that thing, and I know that's what Jocko it's a would bad do. deal. I got to take ownership of my hair you loss. Really do. I do. I do. My wife has tried to get me to do that, like uh, the Monat shampoo, right one, because it's like the thing. But it like burns my skull and I'm supposed to sit in it for six minutes, which by the way, you put it in. I should not talk. I sh- I'm just going to talk. I got to finish this story now. So the point you is you put it in and it hurts. <laughs> and then you're sitting there and she's like, it's okay. You just have to sit there for five minutes. I'm like, I've never taken a five minute shower in my life. Okay. Like you don't understand. 30 that. seconds. You're it, out. I'm, I was like, I'm a guy. Out, okay. My dad timed me growing yeah. up. I didn't have time. Like, for I'm this. paying for this. Water. I get in, I move out and I'm sitting there like I, Bathe my whole self, and then I just sit there with this shampoo that's supposed to make my hair grow. And I don't really have faith in it. I'm fine with it. I'm good. I've already moved on. Yeah. I've said goodbye to the hair that's still on my head. Right. But I really should be a better husband and do that. So that gets into things we're doing during COVID. Because one of the things that I think you and I have both done is we've tried to spend, probably you doing a better job of it than I have, more time with our family. I don't even know what it is, but I'm sure. More time with our family. Oh, yes. And people should probably continue to spend more time with their family in this oh, time where they're not traveling as much. They might be forced to work from home. They're not going out to eat as much, so they should be making meals. So, I mean, what are some of the things y'all have done? Well, I mean, for us, there are a lot of people that the changes that have been made during COVID and during quarantine and stuff have made you know, really huge lifestyle changes. And we're definitely a family that that's been true of. And we've lived in Fort Worth in the last... 10 years or six years since we got married. I was living there for years before. And, you know, we've always thought we'd move to the country and wanted to move back to where I grew up in Erath County. And, you know, we decided instead of sitting in Fort Worth and mm-hmm. watching Disney plus with my two and a half year old to my eyes bled and I started singing like Elsa, I was going to, let's go to the country and hang out with my, my parents and my grandparents. And so we did that in the process, the doors open. And we, I mean, first of all, after two months of that, as we were starting to look towards, okay, we think this thing, mm-hmm. Where, where I'm, Raz is at least going to have to get back to work soon, so we'll probably have to head home. Yep. We looked at each other and we're like, how are we supposed to go back to the city? And we basically, we can't. So we're actually, we just sold our house in Fort Worth. We're going to be building out near Stephenville on uh, the ranch that I grew up in. Yep. So that's been a huge change for us. Um, through that, you spend an enormous time with family. I mean, I've got, you know, my my parents live in Stephenville. My grandmother lives 100 yards up the hill in a cabin. My other grandparents live in town. My aunt and uncle were closest to live five minutes away. Mm-hmm. So and it's my brothers that live and their wives that live in Fort Worth come down frequently. So it's really been a beautiful thing mm-hmm. to to spend that much family time. And I've also got built-in babysitting with my mom. So that's pretty great, too. It is very helpful. 
amen to that. So it's, family it, time has been a huge part of it and an enormous blessing. It's uh, so, you know, we're here in San Antonio, Texas, as a result of our move from New Braunfels, right? right. And it's it's weird because it's like an identical pull in the idea that we went from being 35 minutes from my brother-in-law to four minutes from him and 25 minutes from my brother to mm-hmm. six minutes. And uh, we took our chiropractor and our OB-GYN and our pediatrician and everybody else which was all in San Antonio and and took our life, which was all over the place and just took it much smaller, right? Mm-hmm. My younger brother uh, came over and replaced my brakes yesterday because uh, he lives eight minutes away yeah. and it's not me asking him to drive 40 minutes out to New Braunfels. And so even though we actually moved into a city, which I think you're probably going to see population wise, I still think we're looking at more and more people looking at getting out of the city a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I tell people I bought my house in San Antonio thinking that we'd have a police force. So if we don't a couple of years from now, I'm not going to be, I'm going to feel buyer's remorse. I'm also yeah. going to feel like somebody sold this house to me under false pretenses. Uh-huh. Like, it's like you I, promised me a, a police force. Yes. Somebody who lives close to me, which I will not mention because I don't want them to get canceled is a police officer. And I'm just hoping they're not a former police officer right. to, you know, years from now. Cause I like living next to somewhat close to a yeah. police officer. Well, so you can just hire him to be your, personal police officer you probably get a faster response time yeah it's a her oh which is even cooler there you go it all works out woman power manpower all for it no problem power so spend more time with your family i think you should save more money during covid yeah because our government's not Mm -hmm. like nobody our state government's not saving money our federal government's not spend saving money. I mean, this is another reason the governor's not calling anybody into a special session, which would be needed if we need We should be rewriting the budget right now. Mm-hmm. Like, we're talking about the shortfall we're going to have a year from now when we could just sit down right now and say, let's start spending less money now. Let's take the budget yeah. and redig through it, cut anything unnecessarily. And they're like, nah, we'll just show up and know that based on what we spent, we're $5 billion in the mm-hmm. hole. And oh, by the way, we underfunded Medicaid, which is another $2 billion. So we've got to come up with that. We've got to fill in these holes. Then we've got to plan for the next two years, which, by the way, are going to be smaller than the past two years. So we're going to have to cut again. Yeah. And the federal government is saying, let's spend more money. Let's take on more debt. Let's pump even more into the economy. And the idea is that you pump the economy up. Yeah. But the problem is, my uh, economics professor would talk about how you can pull the economy back or you can let slack out of the rope, but you can't force the economy to go, right? And so we have essentially let all the slack out Mm -hmm. we have with printing as much money as possible, with spending as much money as possible, with all these stimuluses upon stimuluses upon stimuluses. And even Ted Cruz finally coming out saying, I'm not only a no, I'm a hell no when Mm -hmm. it comes to the stimulus package. I'm just, we got to stop. So people personally should probably save some money because I don't know what's going to happen, but I feel like, that's better than following the government's example and spending everything you have. Well, financial independence is freedom. And that lets you have, it creates options for you, which means that when you are hit with a, any kind of circumstance that you didn't foresee, you have options that you wouldn't have otherwise. If you're leveraged to the hilt, if you have a house that you're having to pay way too much your budget on, if you are spending way too much money on things that you don't need, if you've got you know, brand new cars you're making payments on, these types of things, just listen to Dave Ramsey. As, as we just made this an ad for Dave Ramsey's show. If, if you live your life that way, which we try to do, then all of a sudden when a crisis hits, then you can deal with it much more mm-hmm. easily. When 
Americans on average have such a such a small amount of savings. Yeah, they can't go a paycheck. Uh, you know, I I can't recall the exact statistics, but basically, if you have an emergency expense, like the number of Americans that can ha- can come up with a thousand dollars cash in just a few days, yep. is abysmally low. And I think about the times in my life when I've had, I've had to make hard decisions. The fact that I had a I had emergency fund and I knew that I had some I had some runway. Mm-hmm. Those decisions got much easier. You know, years ago, my wife was in a job that was just sucking the life out of her. It was mm-hmm. horrible management, and just she just literally one of those jobs where on Sunday afternoon she was sick because she knew she was going to work Monday morning. Mm-hmm. And I asked her to to quit her job. I said, "Baby, I just don't think this is good for us." Mm-hmm. But I did that working in politics, headed into six months where I did not expect to have a penny of business. Mm-hmm. But I knew I could because I had six months of emergency fund. Mm-hmm. Now, better believe I was pretty nervous. Yeah. And I prayed a lot. And I said, God, you're going to show me something. Or I'm going to be digging dishes and flipping burgers. Here comes six months because I'm going to feed my family. But I knew I could. I had the ability to not think twice. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I had not had that financial independence, I would have been trying to talk myself out of what God was telling me to do. I would yeah. have been trying to give myself all the reasons why this wasn't a good idea and why God really wasn't putting that on my heart. And it would have been more difficult for me to do that. But as it was, it was very easy for me to listen to what God was telling me because I didn't have that, that nervousness of having not been prepared. And so that financial preparation, spending less than you, you make, being careful about what you're, you know, you're leveraging yourself with, whether COVID or not, it's a good idea, but we've seen especially a lot of people that have been hard up and put in disaster financial situations mm-hmm. because they weren't prepared when this type of disaster hit. When uh, the government sends these checks to people, uh, you know, it's doing so in hopes that they spend it, yeah. right? Because that's it's, the economics behind it is that, hey, if I just dump 2000 bucks in your lap, you're going to go buy stuff. Yeah. And then that stuff from an economic cycle, you know, that money is then going to go to the company who's going to pay the employee, who's then going to have the money. And you need a velocity of money, right? Mm-hmm. That's something they study in economics. And what you're trying to produce is the vo- you're trying to increase the velocity of money. You're trying to get more money turning because if I pay you and then you pay him and then he pays somebody else and he buys something else, it's the same $500 that just moved hands. But mm-hmm. the reality is that the faster it's moving, the better it is for everybody. So the government tries to create that, but I'm actually of the opinion that more Americans should take whatever money the government's going to give you and just try to not spend it. Yeah. Because on a personal level, here's the truth. The government does not care about your family as much as you care about your family. Yeah. And, and the decisions the government's making when it's shutting down businesses left and right and just deciding willy-nilly basically how to micromanage everybody is there are people in the government, Republicans and Democrats, deciding we know what's best for your family. And the truth is they don't. You do. So start acting like it. Mm-hmm. Start preparing for it. Um, last thing. Well, I mean, we could talk for hours. We talked we for a while. <laughs> we just didn't record it. We didn't want Which all that is, out there. We didn't want everything it. we talked about. We've been canceled. We would have been ago. canceled, and we we can't badmouth those people, yeah. you know, in such a public we, way. I only say nice things about people, Luke. I can't badmouth those people in such a public way. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Okay, so the point is, we did talk for hours. We're recording this portion. Uh, we talked about Greg Abbott. We talked about closing businesses down. We talked about saving money. We talked about the fact that you should spend more time with your family because you have the time and we don't know how much longer you're going to have, but you might as well take the time you have and invest and spend. We saw uh, the most important one to talk about. Chickens. Chickens. I love them. They're Tell tasty. us about chickens. So I'm, I've learned a lot about chickens they're pretty, since talking they're to they're you. They're pretty interesting. So my wife has loved the idea of getting chickens. Yes. And I, for the longest time, I thought that was just 
you know, we did want to move to the farm and we didn't think we'd be able to. And she was talking about having chickens in Fort Worth. Yeah. And we'd have 12. That's the limit. You can have 12 in one rooster and it can't be like, gotta be like 50 feet from somebody's house, whatever, all the different regulations, um, which then the chicken police come and track you down if you break those rules, which I said, bring it. But yep. that's another conversation. She, so she wanted these chickens and I was going to build a coop. And when we moved down to the farm for this during quarantine, she was like, well, you know, we should get chickens. And Track Supply Company has their, you know, big vats of chickens every every spring. Mm-hmm. They're cute, and people go get them, and then that's just usually a disaster. So she was talking about wanting to do it and had my son on board with the idea. And so at that point, I'm like, okay, fine. You, we'll get chickens. You, I'll build the coop. you got to take care of them. Yep. I, I've never raised birds. I don't really care for birds except on my smoker or in my frying pan. That's just kind of how I feed birds. Yep. So anyway, we got, we got uh, 18, 18 chickens. And we started raising these layers. The idea was we'd have, you know, eggs in a few months. I mean, they just started producing this last week. Farm-raised eggs are amazing. Yep. It's a completely different thing than the stuff you get at the store. I like those too, but this is way better. The taste, everything's better. But in the process, we started talking about how we ought to raise some broilers, so for meat birds. And I don't do a whole lot of things small. If I do something, I tend to do it big. So like, well, I don't really need that much... Like, with the coop space that I'm going to have, I mean, I could get 20 birds, or it's a lot cheaper if I get 80. And so I ended up ordering 80 chicks. They're now about three weeks old, and we'll, about another six weeks, five, six weeks, they'll be sent to freezer camp, and then my smoker. And so we've got 77 at this point, three of... So you bought Bit the Dust. Yeah, three three Bit the Dust. Oh, my gosh. Um, one died the day of, one... Befell an fell victim to an unfortunate accident with a feeder, and then the third one, just it's unknown, but it just kind of got sick and, and passed. But we're we're got seventy seven out so of eighty. Seventy seven birds. Mm-hmm. Now here's what I didn't know, and I think our listeners need to know this: they'll probably eat less chicken as a result of it. These birds grow very fast. Yes, they're they're like bred to produce meat. Yeah, so Cornish Cross is the breed that we have, okay. and they are they're basically selectively bred for being meat, meat birds. They go from uh, in eight to ten weeks, they will reach their full weight, and if you if you let them go past that, their bodies literally start to break down. They'll start tearing tearing ligaments and tendons, and they'll sometimes these birds have heart attacks and stuff from just how fast they grow. It's it's they're not on any kind of hormones or anything like that, but they're just bred selectively to to do one so thing. Like, and that's Grow, on, yeah, produce large meat. breast meat. You know, it's that's what they're bred for, and yep. they do a very good job. They're very efficient. At, yeah, know, yeah. We're, we're gonna, we're gonna. They turn fulfill about, their purpose very well. Yeah, they're good. Okay, they'll they'll turn about seven hundred fifty to nine hundred pounds of chicken feed into probably about uh, about five hundred pounds of chickens okay. here in eight to ten weeks. Got it. So I have a full freezer. So in eight to ten weeks, you're gonna have to slaughter seventy seven chickens. Yeah, and you're gonna need some help. I will, and I think I'm going to recruit you to come That's, help with that. Uh, so I, along with some other patriotic men and women, we're going to have so real men, is, real women. So it's, we're going to get together right now. It's basically be my family because I made the deal. It's like, hey, I'll put in the work. Um, we'll basically split the bill. Are we going to let kids involve? I don't think we should involve kids. It's really going to depend on individual parents. Uh, I'm not. I'm going to let Stony see some of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah but um, limited. But it's, he's not it's, going to like uh, view. He he'll probably view a, a decent amount of it, but yeah. I, I probably not like all day just like watching things. No, all no, day no, no. Long. It's not just like watch it on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because that would just be like watching on repeat. We for, should watch. We should have that. I'll bring up Emmy, and they will watch 
uh, Frozen one and two <laughs> to well, have Stoney like saw, offset. Stony, you got to see me kill a rooster last week. Okay, because we had a rooster, uh, one of our of our laying uh, yeah. crew. He was starting to be aggressive. And he actually attacked Stony a couple times and actually scratched him up really good. He Stony's out in the yard, didn't have a shirt on. The rooster just comes up and just attacks him. They're demons, and so. Uh, we were we had family over for my grandma's birthday last week and had a bunch of kids outside and the rooster was being aggressive and so my dad was like hey man it's it's time for him to go so I'm like Roger that so I went and I I told all the other parents like hey if you don't want your kids to see a rooster get killed you probably ought to tell them to go inside because yep. I'm fixing to kill this rooster yep. and so that just wrung his neck and all the kids I I, I did not ring it to the ex, you know extend his head yeah. popped off because I didn't I wouldn't didn't really want him to see that but yep. it's uh you know being on the ranch you know the you learn a lot about life and death. My great grandmother raised chickens in downtown San Antonio. And when I tell you downtown San Antonio, I mean like downtown San Antonio, 400 square foot house. And in the backyard, she grew up with chickens. And this is in the 40s and the 50s. Yeah. And she would literally walk outside. My dad would tell stories about my great grandmother, his grandmother, walking outside, grabbing a chicken and just, whoosh, you yeah. know, and then just that's, and then you're, that's basically what I did. Yeah. There you go. So I had, we had a rooster, a full grown rooster with like 13 hens at my family's eight acres growing up. And my sisters would do it. They'd go get the eggs and they'd sell them and they'd get the money. And that was yeah. fine. We just let them do that thing. But one of my sisters who still has like a bird phobia, legit, I'm not going <laughs> to name her for her sake, but, but she's not the are. person who most people would think would okay. have the bird phobia, but she does. She's weak of mind. You know, I've tried to instill it in her, but I can't. She's a very nice person. It. She's a super nice person. She has a great heart. Indeed. I love her and she knows who I'm talking about. She's probably listening <laughs> to this right now. She's hearing me. But the point is that she tells us bird phobia because this rooster would just attack her. And so she comes running back to the house and she was trying to go get the eggs and the rooster would just like, he would hide. Oh, this is like a serious, like really, really. He was a sleuther oh. and he would just show up and then just try to, you know, come after you. And so she tells my older brother and I, and I guess I was like, 14 maybe at the time maybe 15 and he's like 17 so she's crying and she's like the rooster attacked me blah 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 and we're like we'll take care of this so we run we're walking to the and these these are full grown we should have never let the rooster get full grown but this yeah. guy is a massive little rooster and he's like the king of his territory and so we're literally walking around looking and we can't how old are you at this point I'm like 15 so, so the I'm rooster's like about as tall as you oh, are oh no we're like equal size <laughs> He's a big rooster, for the record. Massive rooster, before you make the joke, huge rooster, okay? Yeah. So here's the point. He's hiding under this tree. We don't see him, but we're like ready. And all of a sudden, he comes out. So he's And he gets really low to the ground. They like run low yeah. to the ground, and then they get up and spur you. And so he runs up to us, and my brother soccer kicks him into the barn. Uh -huh. Metal barn. So he's like, I'm going to get you. He soccer kicks him. And this rooster goes, Roar! and he hits the barn, <laughs> falls down. And then he starts running at us. And we freak out because we were not ready for round two. <laughs> we were like, we ran away. Well, I was, we were like, we're like, take that, you rooster. And then he started coming. We're like, oh gosh. And we run. And we are like, we're never going to the chickens again. Yeah. We ended up getting rid of the chickens, the rooster. It was a sad situation. Her family wasn't built for it. I want to build a little chicken coop back here. Yeah. Misha's not letting me do it right now. But we'll I work on that. Okay. After this is done. Yeah, we'll go have we need to go. some little marriage chicken counseling. Perfect. Uh, I will say that, so our rooster story was, you know, he had initially, he ran after Stoney one time when I was down there with him and 
he uh, he didn't get to him. I kicked the rooster away and yep. everything. But I told Sony, I was like, hey, you know, if you provoke the rooster, if you're being you know getting too close to chickens and stuff like that, and he attacks you, then still you know whoop him, but you'll get a spanking as well because you know you should not be provoking these animals. Like, but if he just comes after you, man, go to town on him. And so, mm-hmm. you know, he had, the rooster kind of come after my wife once. So basically everybody was carrying sticks. And cause my, my son had this old defunct rubber band gun that I made when I was a kid. So he's carrying around his, his buffalo hunt gun. And he's going down he, one day. He, he made me sit by the house so I wouldn't scare the buffalo away. And he goes down by the chicken coop to hunt buffalo. He'd be watching some Davy Crockett and stuff like that. So he, he's, he's ready to go. All two and a half year old. He's all man. And so he goes down there and the chickens followed him down because they thought he was taking some feed down. And he gets down there, and the rooster starts kind of coming up to him. And he's said, "Dad, Dad," I'm like 50 yards away. And I was like, "Stony, you know, don't." I talked to him about, "Don't run away, because he'll he'll get you that way." They're like, "Hit him with." He's like, "You had you got your gun. Hit him with your gun." So he starts kind of tentatively, you know, mm-hmm. just like just poking at the rooster as the rooster's coming at him. And it's like, "Dad," I was like, "Hit him, Stony." And so he he just kind of whops him a little bit, and I was like. At this point, it's clear the rooster is not going to be phased. I'm like, yeah. hit him again, Stoney. Hit him again. And so he just starts swinging like Babe Ruth. It was awesome. He clocked that chicken several times. He got and he kept he kept coming. Stoney yeah. was unlike you. Stoney was ready for round two. Yeah, and he kept whooping him. The chicken I could finally. Learn from Stoney. <laughs> you can learn a lot. I, <laughs> buffalo hunting, chicken protection. You, when when we're, you come up there for chicken killing time, you we'll understand. we'll have Stoney it, his lesson plan it ready. Was bad. I admit it, it was seems one of like my it's still a traumatic less experience. Proud moments as a 15 year old. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I got to admit it. I was. I See failed. that Jocko would be proud of that. You, you owned it. You owned I did. It. I own that one. But it's Greg Abbott's fault that I'm losing my hair. That's, I don't know how. Fair. It's I. I figured it out. But if I owned a bar and I was shut down, <laughs> truthfully, that's the only person who can just say it's Governor Abbott's fault. Yes, if you own a winery, a brewery. You've yeah. invested millions of your own dollars. You've taken the risk. You've lived yeah. the American dream, and you're told it is illegal for you to enact any type, engage in any type of commerce with any Texan. Because yeah. I've decided to. You can't, you can't sell coffee. You can't sell pizza. I can put you in jail. Well, yeah. okay, this is not my fault. Yeah. I'm yeah. done. That is the way we're going to end this podcast. I appreciate you coming by. My pleasure. And um, hopefully over the next several years, we'll have an opportunity to continue to promote more freedom, liberty, loving, minded worldview amongst our fellow Texans. Amen to that. And we're going to have a busy couple months. We're going to have a crazy November election. We're going to have the wow. dust settling. And then we're going to have to actually pick up the pieces of whatever that is. And have to next six put months. the Lone Star State back together. Yeah. I'm glad that you and other Texans are here with me to do that. We got some work to do. Glad you're going to spend time with your family. Glad you're going to save some money. I'm glad you don't own a bar because you'd be really screwed right now. And I'm grateful that you're here with me this evening. Thank you for joining me. My pleasure, brother. Thank you for listening to The Luke Messiah Show. If you value this content and want our message to spread, please consider three of the following steps. One, subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to us on and leave us a review. Two, visit lukemessias.com and sign up for our email alerts. And three, follow Raz and I on Twitter. And visit my Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Luke Macias, Texas. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Luke Macias, Texas. Thank you so much and God bless.